0: grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Yeshua. Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today I wanted to discuss the virgin birth and the importance behind uh, the virgin birth of the Messiah, why it's so important and why people who do not believe in the virgin birth or uh, in the Holy Spirit period, but mostly the virgin birth, are in danger of committing the ultimate sin it is one of the many many requirements of the faith and one that um is required to even believe that there is a bridge back between um the fallen state of man to get redemption to to be able to um access the tree of life which was taken away from us and redeem myself from the fallen state from the sins of adam now Before I go into um, the virgin birth, I just want to let you know that I'll be talking today from, or reading, I should say, from the Holy Bible, Holy Scriptures as always. I will also be in the um, Encyclopedia of the Lost and Rejected Scriptures, uh, the Pseudoprographa and the Apocrypha, but mostly the Pseudoprographa, and that is from the Infancy Gospel of James. And we'll be talking about, or reading in that book, I should say, because It shares or shines a lot of light to the earlier years of Mary, um, her birth, and just what was going on right before uh, the Messiah was born. And from what I've read, there's a lot that we don't know or that I didn't understand that fits into scripture. So I'll use scripture along with that to kind of go back and forth and mirror it just to see how they both kind of... um, coincide and go together. So, the first thing that I wanted to, or the first scripture verse I wanted to look at today was I believe it's Matthew chapter 12. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12 verses 31 through 32. Okay, and this is The words are in red, so we know that's the words of Yeshua, the Messiah, Savior of mankind. He's saying here, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, It shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Okay? Neither in the world to come. So what you have here is the Messiah literally telling every single one of us, that every single sin and every single blasphemy, That man commits all manner of sin. It says right here, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. He goes on to say that whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, against him himself, the one who gave up the ghost and conquered death so that we could have access to eternal life. He says that even if you speak a word against him, it will be forgiven but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in this world, or in the world to come. <clears throat> the next world, or after this age, would be the, um, the age of obviously the eternal kingdom that's gonna come down from the sky, New Jerusalem, okay? But when he says here, you know, you could talk about me, but you can't talk about the Holy Ghost. You might get, you know, even somebody. It, it could sound like a riddle and it could sound kind of puzzling because you kind of figure out, well, you know, in, in essence, the Holy Ghost kind of, kind of imparts in you as well, you know. But you know, just like it inhabits in all of us and it rules, and it's a very real spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. You know, there's a lot of people that mock the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of people that don't believe in the Holy Spirit, but there's a lot of people that simply deny the power of the Holy Spirit and God's power here on earth. And, and, and one of the many ways that they do that is in one of the most controversial figures in the history of mankind, which is Jesus, Jesus, what some refer to him, Yeshua, or the Messiah. <clears throat> That's when you're really going to have a lot of people um, playing around with this ultimate, I guess you could say the ultimate sin, the one of no return, a lot of people are going to go back and forth with that, especially when it comes to the three major religions. You have uh, Judaism, you have Christianity, and I guess you could, have, you, could, you could say Catholicism or whatever, but then you also have Islam. Um, because the Islam, uh, Islamic people of the Islamic race, or would Islamic belief people who originated in in the Arab nations, right? And the Arabs are supposed to be what the descendants of Ishmael, right? And Ishmael is supposed to be what or who Abraham's first illegitimate son that was not conceived through marriage, as an illegitimate son. That's why the promise didn't come through him. The promise came through Isaac, right? But the point is, all three religions stem from Father Abraham. <clears throat> but what happens with the three? It seems as if the fake Jews of the day and the the, the um, Christians and the Catholics or whoever uses the, the Bible have the same Old Testament. The fake Jews of the day do not have the New Testament. Why? Because they don't believe on the Messiah. So they're already in that problem of not believing the virgin birth. They're not with that. They say that the Messiah did not fit none of the prophecies um, in, the Old, in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and why do they say that? They say that to us simply because these fake false Jews, if you don't know by now uh, that, that they are not the chosen ones, okay? I mean, look how they carry on. I don't even know where the attire of the people was supposed to be the attire. Don't, don't get me started. What I simply want to say is that the reason why they are not saying that the true Messiah is the true Messiah is because these are going to be the ones that are going to be the first to jump up, up and down and say, yes, yes, he is the one when the Antichrist rise up. Okay, and a lot of people gonna be looking to them when they jumping up and down to finally be like, yes, there he is. He's manifested to them. This is the Messiah. It will not be the Messiah. It will be the false Messiah. The false Messiah gonna come before the real Messiah gonna come. Okay, so this is them. They don't. Re- they don't accept <clears throat> Yeshua's virgin birth. Period, or him being uh, more than a man. That he's even connected to Israel at all. They completely reject him, which means that they are indeed committing the ultimate act of um denying the holy ghost now i wanted to before i go jump into scripture because i just wanted to really stress why the virgin birth is important but i also want to show why in many other ways especially in these other belief systems like let's jump into islam briefly just to just to see what is it that they believe concerning the messiah because again all three Seem to agree up until then because when you go to the Quran, they're gonna mention uh, Moshe and Noah, and they're gonna mention uh, Mary, and they're gonna mention uh, Jesus by name or Isa. They're gonna mention a lot of the or like the names of the of the old people of the people of old. They don't talk New Testament stuff. They do talk about uh, staying away from the, the the people that you know the people of the book, which they refer to a lot, and then they ter- talk about how the book, the Bible, have been tampered with, and then there's a lot of other false stuff in there. Obviously filled with a lot of false stuff that makes it seem as if it's right. But the point is, when it comes to that Messiah now or who is Jesus, then you got the problem, right? Again, denying the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to show you all what they believe. This is Wikipedia. And I'm looking, or I guess you could say, now into um, the death, what they believe concerning the death. It doesn't matter if you look at Wiki. It doesn't matter if you look on their own page. It doesn't matter if you buy their Hadith and you read it yourself or the Quran You can find this anywhere you want. Google um, can pull it up for you. Or you can watch a YouTube video on it. Or ask someone who is of Islamic faith. So uh, it says here, most Islamic traditions, save for a few, categorically deny that Jesus physically died either on a cross or another manner. They said, this contention is found within the Islamic traditions themselves. With the earliest hadith reports, quoting the companions of Muhammad, stating Jesus having died, while the majority of the Sikwith, Hadith, and Tasfir argue in favor of both denial through exegesis and apologetics. Okay, now, I'm going to keep going down to... Uh, it says, Quranic commenters seem to have concluded the denial of the crucifixion of Jesus um, by following the material interpreted by the Tafsir. Okay, so long story short, they denied or de- they uh, concluded the denial of the crucifixion of Jesus. They denied it, okay? They never happened. Now, let's go down to... I'm sorry, I'm just skipping down to what I feel is important, like the Ascension. Um, They pretty much said uh, that in modern Islamic studies, and according to scholars like Saeed, they interpret the Ascension of Jesus as spiritual and not physical. So in other words, they feel that he was translated, translated. taken up but now when they say that he was taken up they feel it was physical and it wasn't spiritual but either way he never died that's the point was what they believe is that he did not die on the cross the second coming okay now this is what they believe about the second coming since he's not dead, they believe he's going to come back, right? Just like we believe that he's not dead, but he's going to come back. But at the same time, he didn't die on the cross, and they also believe that he was born a regular man. Okay, we know that. Everybody knows that. I don't know anybody who knows what they believe. It doesn't and 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 in their heart of hearts don't know that they believe that Joseph was Jesus' father. I mean, literally, that's what they feel. That like. he was just a regular man, but a great prophet. So according to said coming, it says according to Islamic tradition, which describes this graphically, Jesus' descent will be in the midst of wars fought by Al-Madi, known in Islamic es- eschatology as the Redeemer of Islam. Okay, then it says against the Antichrist or the False ma- Messiah, Jesus will descend at the point of a white arcade. East of Damascus, dressed in yellow robes, his head anointed, he will say a prayer behind al Mahdi okay al Mahdi will be the uh the, the the rightly guided one that's what it's translated to. then join him in his war against the Dajjal. Jesus considered a Muslim will abide then by the Islamic teachings. they said eventually Jesus will slay the Antichrist. And then everyone who is of the people of the book, you see, remember, I kept telling you they refer to the people of the book because they think think Christians and Catholics, like, because they think this book, the book have been tampered with, but they really trying to say that it's almost all wrong, throw it out. So they call those people the people of the book. So and then everyone who is one of the people of the book referring to Jews and Christians. It says right there in parentheses, will believe in him. Thus, there will be one community, that of Islam. OK, now it goes on to say after the death of Al-Mahdi. Remember, Al-Mahdi is the rightly guide, guard, guided one. I don't know what whatever. Jesus will assume leadership. This is a time associated in Islamic narrative with universal peace and justice. Islamic texts also allude to the appearance of um, something known as Gog and Magog. Anyway. Uh, Lastly, it says Jesus rule is said to be around 40 years after which he will die. And also during the 40 years, he's supposed to marry and have children. And then the Muslims will then perform the funeral prayer for him and then bury him in the city of Medina in Umar. Now, this is what they believe concerning him. First of all, a lot of things they said there's just blasphemous is all heck because you were treating him like a human being that one didn't die, I guess was saved or translated. That's fine, it happens with Elijah. I'm not saying that the idea of translation is impossible. How honorable, but they also feel that... Um, that the lord put the image of um another man on top of him and um that image um it says right here it says that uh a person it was reported that a person called Sergius was crucified in place of Jesus so somebody died on the on the cross that day or gave up the ghost on the cross that day, but guess what? That person was a regular person just as well. While another regular, mere mortal, Jesus was translated, or his spirit was translated up, so death was not conquered on the cross, which gives us no bridge back. Can you see how the, how denying the Holy Spirit automatically takes the whole belief system and, and and spirals it out of control? And why that you know why you at some point you gotta de- decide for yourself what you believe because you can't talk about okay. John three sixteen says and and um, God for God. <clears throat> for God sent his world, his son into the world, and whosoever believe on him will have, or for God loved the world, that he sent his son into the world, so that whoever believe on him will have eternal life, right? But my thing with that is, and I'm not saying that it's not true, my whole thing with that is, okay, so you believe that he existed. So you believe that he was. You might believe that he died and he rose, but do you believe that he was born of the virgin birth? Do you have to believe it all in all? You can't believe like some of it and don't believe all of it, because then you are in... um. You are in great danger of violating what is written in Matthew 12:31 to 32, where you are blaspheming against the Holy Ghost and it will not be forgiven, according to Yeshua, neither in this world or the world to come. So I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back to start driving into scripture to talk about this virgin birth. Because if we're going to talk about if it's how important it is or if we're going to talk about if it's true or not or the Messiah, not only are we going to drive into scripture, but I'm going to also go back into, like I said, the gospel or the infancy gospel of James to see the earlier years of Mary to see just what was going on and just how much of a virgin uh, Mary was. And, and then, again, come back and talk about why it is so important that the virgin birth is um, something that you... Uh, believe, You know, even if it's just the size of a mustard seed, it's a start. So you after the break. All right, we're back from break. I just wanted to read briefly again about um, the Muslims and what they believe concerning the birth now. So it says that they believe that he was born of a mother who was a virgin and that he does that the Quran does not mention Joseph at all. So it just says that she was a pure vessel. She became with child, but simply because God said be, and he was. And so in that nature, they're not necessarily attributing the power to the Holy Spirit. And it goes on here to say on thoughtco.com, it says, however, the Quran repeatedly reminds us that Adam, the first human being, was born the same way, pretty much as in saying be, because remember, um, Adam was born with age in him. Adam was not born as a child. He was born as a man or he was created as a man. But in this sense, they're not saying that Jesus was born as a man and it wasn't a child so much as they're just saying the act of simply saying him be and something is, is all that it was that created him. But you have to understand, even though the hand of God created Adam, Adam was a mere human being. Okay? That's different. So I'm going to read on to just show you to follow through with the logic. It's just basically saying... The Quran repeatedly reminds us that Adam, the first human being, was born with neither a human mother nor a human father. Therefore, Jesus' miraculous birth affords him no higher standing or presumed partnership with God. When God ordains a matter, he merely says, be, and it is so. The similitude of Jesus before God is that of Adam, basically saying that Jesus would be a mere human, That's how they look at him. So even though he might have been born of a virgin and God might have caused him to be born, I'm trying to help somebody and I'm trying to be credible with these sources, they still feel that he was still a mere human being with no deity and no power and certainly with no partnership with God. Okay, So it says he created him from dust, then said to him, be, and he was. It says 3 and 59. I guess it's chapter 19 of the Quran. I don't know. It says, In Islam, Jesus is regarded as a human prophet and messenger of God, not part of God himself. Then it says, "Uh, Lastly, Muslims observe two holidays per year, which are associated with major religious observances, fasting, and pilgrimage. They do not revolve around the life or death of any human being, including prophets. Okay, and that's all I got to say about that before I continue on what I got to say. So first thing I wanted to do was um, just jump into some prophecy about the virgin birth that would be considered a sign. So we're going to go now to Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Isaiah chapter seven. verse 14 okay it says therefore the lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel okay so that was the prophecy um, pertaining to the lord or the messiah being born and that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and that would be a sign. And you gotta remember, in those days, even though Israel was on and off lost, they still read in the scriptures and they still read as a sign. Even in the days of Dan and Daniel's captivity, uh he was very much remembering a lot of what he remembered reading, even though he couldn't have his books with him anymore. A lot of what he remembered is uh from you know what he had studied, so he was very much knowledgeable and God was still with him. Um even in Hebrews when they mentioned Enoch for crying out loud Hebrews is all the way towards the end of the Bible and Enoch is in the beginning of the Bible but at the same time they were so well read that they was even talking about Enoch in, in the list of honorable people so when Yeshua came in riding on the cult and then they started waving they said Hosanna Hosanna that was a sign and my point with me saying all of that is being that they were looking for the sign they knew that they would be a sign these people were read and they knew a Messiah would come and he would be born and conceived I have a virgin and they would call his name Emmanuel. Now, I wanted to jump in first with the biblical accounts of Joseph and Mary's uh relationship and of, of as far as um being visited by the angels, which is only recorded in Matthew and Luke. For some reason, I found that Mark and um John the first chapters immediately go into either he went in to get baptized or he went in and started picking disciples. So as far as it's really short, like a lot of the stuff that that has more meat in other books is very short, the references. So right now I want to go to Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Matthew chapter one. Okay, it says the angel appears to Joseph, and I'm going to just read up into verse 25. It says, now the birth of Jesus was on the wise, or on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, it says here. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of God is blessed always. Now we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 27 The only other account. Luke chapter 1, verse 27, and I'm going to read through verse 38. All right, 27 reads To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail. Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt quote his name, it says here, Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. impossible, praise God. 38, and Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. And so that is the only accounts in the Bible that we have concerning them too. I would just like to note that as far as we're concerned, the earliest mentioning of Mary and Joseph that we can see is that immediately they were visited by um, messengers, the angel of the Lord, or an angel that told them what was going to happen. And it says that they were espoused, okay? Which espoused is the same, honestly, to be as, to be as engaged and not necessarily exactly married yet because they would have just said his wife. And so we're going to get more clarification about a lot of this stuff that was going on because... Um, if you think about it, this would have been a great scandal, okay? And when you read into, or when I get into the infancy of James, we're going to find out just how much of a scandal it was. It's only realistic that this would have been a scandal because, well, how did she get up with the child? You know, there were strict laws in Israel. You know, um, if, you know, they, 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 there's not usually a lot of things like that could happen like this that could just pass on. And so, yes, they, we know that they hit her. But at the same time, I like to um, dive in to show, you know, just how much... Uh, I guess you could say they went through, uh, I wouldn't even say as a couple, but just um, the underlining stuff. So let's, let's now jump into it. Let's, let's just go into it. I'm going to jump now to the Infancy Gospel of Jane, which is also called the Protev Angelium. <clears throat> and so when this opens up, because I don't want to read the whole thing, it's really only, it's very short books, like five pages, not really a lot to cover at all. But I will be doing some reading just to give you all, you know, the, picture, paint a picture. So when we open up with the book, we have um Joachim, a very uh exceedingly rich man who is of the twelve tribes of Israel. It doesn't say which which one, but he is um wanting to give offerings and he is married to Anne or Anna. Joachim and Anne or Anna is uh, Mary's parents. This is before they conceive Mary. They're both in old age and like I said, Joachim is very rich. He wants to give an offering up to the house of the Lord. His offering is rejected or mocked by other Israelites because they say that because he has no offspring and he's the only one in the book of the children. Because, you know, they had uh, censuses where they kept very strict uh, genealogies of every man in Israel and who's the next in line. And he didn't have an heir and he didn't have a seat. So they were shunning him and they were doing the same thing to Anna as well. They were mocking Anna, specifically her handmade. Um, I think Judith said her name was. Who um told her, well, you know, it's not me. Don't, if you have an attitude, well, she didn't have an attitude. It's just she corrected her on something said, don't let me. Uh, Anna said, I won't partake in your sin. And all she turned around and said to her, because some people are just so rude, they know how to hurt you. She just said to her, listen, it's not me that's cursing you. It's God that shut up, you. shut up your womb, that you kind of like a laughing stock in Israel because you don't got no child. So this leads Joe Kim and Anna to both be very depressed and very grieved in um, different ways. So Joe Kim goes and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm trying to give us like a, so we could catch up. To, to, before I read, and basically says he don't want no meat or drink, and he's not coming down for me to drink until the Lord, you know, uh, relieve him of this pain and, and help him to produce a child, and that prayer would be his meat and drink. Meanwhile, you have Anna in deep depression or sadness, praying for two things, or there's two things she's deeply saddened about. One, she fears she's about to be a widow because him is so sad. He done took himself 40 days and maybe he didn't even tell her. Maybe she just thought that he was off and dead. Maybe he told some other people. Either way, she saw herself a widow and she also was lamenting over the fact that her womb was shut up. And so it says that um, in the fourth chapter that an angel of the Lord appeared. So pretty much I'm trying to Uh, get us a little caught up before we go back into this virgin birth. So the angel of the Lord appeared and I'll read that and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared saying to her, Anna, Anna, the Lord has listened to your prayer and you shall conceive and bear and your offspring shall be spoken of in the whole world. And Anna said, as the Lord, my God lives. If I bring forth either a male or female, I will bring it for a gift to the Lord, my God. And it shall be uh, ministering to him all the days of its life. And behold, there came two messengers saying to her, Behold, Joachim, her husband, Joachim, your husband, comes with his flocks. For the angel of the Lord, and we know who the angel of the Lord is, For the angel of the Lord came down to him saying, Joachim, Joachim, the Lord God has listened to your prayer. Get you down from here for behold, your wife Anna has conceived. Okay, And so after this news, Joachim um, sacrifices because he's happy and um, offered gifts to people and was just thankful to God uh, like a lot of people are when they're in the situation in the good book and I'm sure in real life as well. So it says... um, In chapter 4, verse 2, And her months were fulfilled, and in the ninth month, Anna brought forth, and she said to a midwife, What have I brought forth? And she said, A female. And Anna said, My soul is magnified on this day. And she laid herself down, and when the days were fulfilled, Anna Anna purified herself, okay, and gave the child to suck. Now, we have uh, Mary being born. So now we have that, we have that, um, Mary was um, treated very specially. There was a time when, when her mother, Anna, tried to get her to walk. After seven steps, she stumbled. She was only six months old. But it says that from that time, moment, they never let her to, her feet touch the floor. So they made a bedchamber for her. And the only um, pure, undefiled women and daughters of Israel was able to go in and out of there. And nothing unclean or, or, or defiled was allowed to touch or enter the room and so they really sanctify Mary. It's really is as if um the message from the angel really came through to her and they would carry her. It says like about the first three years of her life before they brought her to the temple for the dedication that she promised God they would carry her and her feet wouldn't touch the floor. And so um it came to the time where it was that um it was time for them to bring her up to the temple. Okay. and the temple received her. So I'm going to go to just read here. It just says, and when she was 12 years old, and she's danced in front of the Lord all the times that she was there. So she was there from three years old to 12 years old. But when she was 12 years old, something happened and things changed. So here it says, when she was 12 years old, there was a council of the priests saying, behold, Mary is become 12 years old in the temple of the Lord. What then shall we do with her lest she pollute the sanctuary of the Lord? And they said, to the high priests, you stand over the altar of the Lord, enter in and pray concerning her, and whatsoever the Lord shall reveal to you, that let us do. So, I just wanted to talk about um, Mary coming on the age of 12 and why the priest would be in such a panic saying that she's 12 years old and she's in the temple of the Lord trying to figure out what to do with her because they think she's going to pollute the sanctuary. Well, this would be the time of a young lady's um, puberty age where she would start to take on the menstrual or the flow of the blood. And obviously if you was um in the laws at that time, especially when they were still sacrificing and stuff, um, you couldn't be in the temple. Same thing if you had a baby, there was a certain amount of days you couldn't be around her in the temple, you considered unclean until the time. So they couldn't have Mary just living there now every month bleeding because yes, it was so they had to figure out what they were gonna do with her, but they also knew that there was a promise on her life. Okay? Because it says here that when they prayed over her when she got to the temple, it says that they said, God of God of high places, look upon this child and bless her with the last blessing which has no successor. And she literally is the only person who has the last blessing that literally has no successor. I don't know that anybody else has had a complete virgin birth that birthed the Messiah, that this just never going to happen. So you can have blessings that repeat itself, but that's just one that's just not going to happen. So they knew that she was a special child. They knew she couldn't stay in the temple anymore, but they had to also figure out what to do with her to keep her safe until the time because there was a promise and a destiny on her life. So it says that, um, and the high priest took the vestment with the 12 bells, and went into the holies of holies and prayed concerning her and lo an angel of the lord appeared saying to him zacharias zacharias go forth and this zacharias this this zacharias is the zacharias who is the father or who the, or, or the zachariah who is the father of john the baptist who happens to be the husband of elizabeth so zacharias zacharias um actually no this is a different one actually i'm sorry Go forth and assemble them that are widowers. Actually, no, it's the same one. Go forth and it's the same one, believe me. Go forth and assemble them that are widowers of the people and let them bring every man a rod. And to whomsoever the Lord show a sign, his wife shall he be. So Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, because that's who it is. Says, goes and prays, and they say to grab all the widowed men out of the um, country of Judea and to line them up with their rods. The men are to come with their rods. And whomsoever the Lord would have showed a sign to, then that man was uh, the man who was to have Mary as a wife. That's who's, you know, man that she was, you know, going to, you know, and we're going to talk about this. I know it sounds all perverty and stuff but it's not that way let's just keep going so it says joseph cast down his at a days or whatever and ran to meet them and when uh, and all the men ran there too and joseph cast down his a days and ran to meet them and when they were gathered together they went to the high priest and they took their rods with them these are the men and he took the rods of them all, and went into the temple and prayed. And when he had finished the prayer, he took the rods and went forth and gave them back to them. And there was no sign upon them. But Joseph received the last rod, and lo, a dove came forth of the rod and flew upon the head of Joseph. And the priest said to Joseph, Unto you has it fallen, to take the virgin of the Lord and to keep her for yourself. And Joseph refused, saying, I have sons. I am an old man, but she is a girl, lest I become a stock to the children of Israel. And the priest said to Joseph, hear the Lord your God and remember what things God did to um, Dathan and Abiram and Korah. And how the earth split And they were swallowed up because of their gainsaying And now fear you, Joseph, lest it be so in your house And Joseph was afraid And took her to keep her for himself And Joseph said to Mary Lo, I have received you out of the temple of the Lord And now do I leave you in my house And I go away to build my buildings And I will come again to you the Lord shall watch over you. Boop. And he left. Deuces. Bye. I'm out of here. Bye. I ain't going to be seen with this little girl running around here looking like a fool. Me and Laugh stop at Israel. Oh, no. All right. I had to take you home because it's my charge. But I'm going to leave you here, little girl. God going to watch over you. I got things to go build. Bye. Choom, And he off. Okay. This was never an arrangement. I'm basically trying to show the people of... Love. These people do this was not a boyfriend and a girlfriend or who or some a couple that was dating and then espoused by choice that was all of a sudden I don't want to say burdened because it wasn't a burden, it was a blessing. But if you know, if you don't have faith or the fact that they had was visited by angels so they could have the faith to go on, again this was like a scandal. It already sounded like a scandal. you, you, you know, he the child not mine <laughs> you know. It's not Maury, but you know, I never touched her. She's a virgin, you know. And So this begins uh, to help us understand a little bit better just what was going on. Now, it comes a time after Mary is brought to Joseph's house that Joseph left her immediately. He did not spend no night with her. I mean, I'm sure she had all the provisions that she needed because he was a, a, a a noble man, a good guy or whatever. But at the end of the day, he's gone. And there came... Now it says, now there was a council of priests, and they said, let us make a veil for the temple. So the priests of the temple said, we need to make a veil. Whenever they do anything for the temple, especially concerning, like, a veil, the men ain't going to sew, they're going to get the women to sew, but if they want it to be something sewn that's going to be hanging in the house of the Lord, they would rather that undefiled virgins of Israel make them. It makes sense, you know what I'm saying, so that it's just um, pure and holy. And so the um, priest um, said that he wanted the pure virgins to call Call to me pure virgins of the tribes of David. And the officers departed and sought and found seven virgins. And the priest called to mind the child Mary, that she was of the child of the tribe of David, and was undefiled before God. And the officers went and fetched her, and they brought them into the temple of the Lord, and the priest said, Cast me lots, which of you shall weave the gold? And the undefiled um and the undefiled the white and the fine linen and the silk and the hyacinth and the scarlet and the true purple. And the lot of the true purple and the scarlet fell to Mary, and she took them and went to her house. Okay. And now this is um this is when things tie back into the Bible again, even though we you know it just says, And that and at that season, at that season, at that season, Zacharias became dumb. And Samuel was in his place. Now, Zacharias becoming dumb. we got to jump back in the Bible to understand what that means. Now, as we know, I told you, Zacharias is um, John the Baptist's father. So in order to find out what happened with him, we got to go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 11 through 22. And then we're going to skip down to uh, verses 57 through 66. Why Zacharias' mouth became dumb. Because remember, Zacharias was the priest. Zacharias, All right. Luke chapter 11 through 22. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So this is the angel that appeared. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, "Fear not, Zechariah, for thy wife Prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Hello. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not, my words will shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And this house had then Zechariah remained dumb just like that until the child was conceived, like the angel said, because he did not believe. Okay, we're going to skip down to, but I just wanted to, um... Skip down. Well, let's let's just go to 57, close it out and jump back up into uh, the infancy of James. 57 to 66. This is Luke chapter one, verse 57 through 66. It says, now Elizabeth full time came when she would be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zechariah after the name of the father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, Zechariah. They made signs to his father how how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, his name is John. (laughs) And they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. I bet he never did that again. You know why it probably was put on him that his mouth got shut up? Everybody, there's been plenty of humans that said, oh, but how can I conceive? Or, but Lord, how can I? Even Moses was like, but, but you know, I have a speech impairment. I'm slow in speech. Nobody got their mouth. You know, the only reason I think is because Zacharias was a priest. He should have just known better. You know what I'm saying? Like, he should have just known better. I just wanted to use the scripture to show why his mouth was dumb. So let's go back to that. Um, Go back to the infancy of James. This is the... um, it says here, And at that time, at that season, Zacharias became dumb, and Samuel was in his place until the time Zacharias spoke again. <laughs> but Mary took the scarlet and began to spin it. We got to get back to Mary and her troubles now. Okay, and, uh, yeah, so long story short, because I don't want to skip to it. Okay, so long, what happens is now, so Mary, you got to remember, at this point, Mary is pregnant, Um. Elizabeth is also pregnant. We know that because uh, by this time, Zachariah, but Mary hasn't been showing yet. So what we have as Mary has been spinning, and, 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 and believe it or not, Joseph has been gone some time. He really avoided Mary like the plague. Like he didn't want to be around. He made sure she was well and all that, but he was not around. But Joseph came back home to find a very, very pregnant Mary. Okay. Whoa. So let's see what happens and says now it was a sixth month with her it was a sixth month with her and joseph beheld and joseph and behold joseph came from his building and he entered into his house and saying with what countenance shall i look to the lord my god and what prayer shall i make concerning this maiden for i received her out of the temple of the lord my god a virgin and have not kept her safe who is he that has ensnared me who has done this evil in my house, and has defiled the virgin, is not the story of Adam repeated in me? For as at the hour of, for as at the hour of his giving thanks, the serpent came and found Eve alone and deceived her. So it has befallen me also. Now, before I go on, I just wanted to say I've read that and I was like, wait a minute. So, what are we? Is that some kind of hinting to the serpent seed theory? Because why would you, you basically look at her and you said, oh my gosh, I didn't keep her safe. I went away. Somebody has violated my house, violated the girl, snuck in like the, like the devil snuck in and did Eve when Adam was away. And I'm like, wait, wait, because you could just be like, he just deceived her. The devil came and deceived her to have sex. But at the same time, I'm just like, why is the garden coming up in connection with sex and deceiving a person in pregnancy? Who? I don't know. I could be reaching, but I don't think so. I just think it's a, it could just be saying, hey, the devil deceived her to do this, but I don't, I just, it just seems a little too, I don't know, I don't know, anyway, and Joseph arose from the sackcloth and called Mary and said unto her, oh, you that were cared for by God, why have you done this? You, you... Have forgotten the Lord your God? Why have you humbled your soul? You that were nourished up in the holies of holies and did receive food at the hand of an angel. Oh yes, that's the other thing. Mary was fed um, by the hand of an angel all the years of the temple that she lived there. Okay, it says that. But she wept bitterly, saying, "I am pure, and I know not a man." And Joseph said to her, "What then is this which is in your womb?" And she said, "As the Lord my God lives, I know not where it is." come to me. And Joseph was very afraid and ceased speaking to her or left her alone and pondered what he should do with her. And Joseph said, if I hide her sin, I shall be found fighting against the law of the Lord. And if I manifest her to the children of Israel, I fear lest that which is in her be the offspring of an angel and I shall be found delivering up innocent blood to the judgment of death. What then shall I do? I will let her go for me privately. And the night came upon him and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Fear not. So now this is where the Bible picks up. I just want to say that. Okay. So we kind, of, we kind of caught up now, aren't we? Now we're going to find out, you know, what other little pieces we might miss. but fear not. Because the Bible starts off with dreams and visitations. It say nothing about none of this that was happening before. Fear not. This child, for that which is in her, is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from his sins. And Joseph arose from the sleep, glorified God of Israel, which had showed him this favor to her. And he watched over her. Boom. So now Joseph's on board. He understands what's going on. Mary had already received the message from the angels. So now she's on board. She knows what's going on. Everything is going well all the way up until a priest. Uh, let's see. Or somebody came to the house to visit. And um, yeah, it says, Annas the scribe came to him, came to Joseph and said, why did you not appear in our assembly? I guess Joseph was missing from something. And Joseph said to him, I was weary with the journey and I rested for the first day. And just at that time, the guy, Annas, turned around and saw Mary, a very pregnant Mary, great with child. And he went hastily to the priest and said to him, Joseph, to whom you bear witness that he was righteous, has sinned very grievously. And, and, uh, and the priest said, wherein? And he said, the virgin whom he received out of the temple of the Lord, he has defiled her and married her by stealth. Now, first of all, stolen her marriage. You see, married her by stealth. I want to be very clear that in these days, marriage was not a ceremony so much as it was the actual act of consummation of sex. Even in the pre-shadowing uh, of this book where you're talking about the um, infancy of James or um, the commentary from the writer or the person in the book is understood that in this time, <clears> that's why they kept saying "espouse." You don't see too many people keep saying "espouse." It's just either it was his wife or it was his husband. They don't talk about Elizabeth and uh, Zachariah being espoused. They had already had sex, and were are already having sex. Mary and Joseph never had sex. That's just what it comes down to, or we're never intimate. Maybe sex is too hard for this podcast. Anyway, the point is that... He married her by stealth, and it says literally stolen her, which means took her, took her virginity and just took it, you know what I'm saying, without cause because he should have never touched her, being that she's prophesied to have a destiny on her life. Okay, so in those days, you are married as according to if you had sexual orientation with someone, which is why Mary and Joseph is espoused. Okay, now... They said it has not declared it to the children of Israel. And the priest answered and says, Has Joseph done this? And Anna the scribe said, Send officers and you shall find the virgin great with child. And the officers went and found, and as he had said, and they brought her together with Joseph to the place of judgment. And the priest said, Mary, wherefore have you done this? And where have you humbled your soul to forget the Lord? You were nurtured in the holies of holies and did receive food out of the hand of an angel. And did hear the hymns and did dance before the Lord. Why have you done this? But she wept bitterly, saying, as the Lord God lives, I am pure before him and I know not a man. And the priest said to Joseph, why have you done this? And Joseph said, as the Lord my God lives, I am pure concerning her. And the priest said, <clears throat> And the priest said, "Bear no false witness, but speak the truth. You have married her by stealth. See now, if there was already married, why? How could he? I'm telling you that marriage in those days. That's why these days I couldn't even imagine how many so-called uh spiritual wives and so-called husbands and spiritual demons people don't took one for the next because it wasn't none in the, the ceremony. There was a ceremony when when Jesus turned water into wine and said there was a wedding somewhere that people were feasting, but nobody. I've never even read in scripture where. Anything said when you get married, this is what you say, as in vows. Vows was never in the scripture. I guess it's something that mankind came up with, but in those days, you nobody was really supposed to be having any hands You was just, you was married, and that's how it went. So as far as they concerned, he stole her. He stole her marriage by stealth, by almost like taking rapine or of a child. <clears throat> Now they said, Restore the virgin whom you did receive out of the temple of the Lord and Joseph was full of weeping because he was shamed and he's a good man and you know, this was not easy. This that's why I said this was a scandal. I don't care nobody say You can't just that's why they make it so short and innocent. They don't wanna give you the whole story. This was a scandal. Ain't no way everybody was just like, even if they prophesied that a virgin was gonna give birth, even if it was her and it was her, ain't nobody that you could just Say something like that in those times and not have nobody ask no questions or think nothing of you. You would have had to really fight for that or, you know, you know, lose your mind. So they said the priest took uh, Joseph and made him drink um, something called the water of conviction. It's supposed to make the sins manifest. And they made Mary drink as well. And they sent her off to the hill country. When she came back, she was whole. The people were astonished because uh, sin did not appear in him or her so the priest said if the lord has not made your sin manifest neither do i commend, condemn you and he let them go and that was the best news that they could have ever had um as far as um uh, that the lord uh saw a fit that when they drank of this water i don't know what this water of conviction is but suppose it was supposed to make or show the misdeeds that they done so and then later you have that um the children were born. The the um Yeshua was born, and uh, the wise men came with frankincense and myrrh. I'm just really trying to think of what else because I really want to talk more about this virgin birth, and eventually he took her and hid her in a cave. It said, okay, and it was an ox manger. So it was an ox manger. Now, um, Elizabeth also had to hide. It says um, they were looking for the babies. Remember, now John was born as well, so we have a little bit of what happened to Elizabeth and John, which was interesting. It says here, but Elizabeth, when she heard that they sought for John, took him and went up into the hill country and looked about her where she should hide him. And there was no hiding place. And Elizabeth groaned and said with a loud voice, O mountain of God, receive you a mother with a child. For Elizabeth was not able to go up the mountain. And immediately the mountain split apart and took her in. And there was a light shining always for them, for the angel of the Lord was with them, keeping watch over them. So went inside of a cave. Now, then you got to remember, the next time you see John the Baptist, he's in the wilderness, uh, eating locusts and honey, saying, repent. So, and, and John the Baptist was supposed to have his own little followers and stuff, too. But I think he was more of a wilderness child, so that kind of makes some sense. Maybe he just was up and away in the caves and just grew up in the mountains, up on the mountaintops, and then just came down later on when times were safe. And um, also, lastly, we have that Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was killed uh, for not telling Herod where baby John was because, believe it or not, um, it says, and Herod was angry and said, his son is to be king over Israel. They had mistaken John the Baptist's son to be the Messiah. So when he wouldn't give up his son, they slain Zacharias in the temple. Um, when the priests came in, they didn't find Zacharias' body, but they found the blood and a voice um came out from the temple, which would have been a voice of God or the, or the angel that basically says Zacharias was slain, and that's how it ends from there. So, and I wanted to just show, I guess, and this was just just a brief understanding of just uh, one. Yeah, how controversial! How controversial the virgin birth can be. I mean, even in the days as it was going on, it was controversial, but it did happen. I really wanted to just stress that uh, again. The Matthew five thirty one to thirty two, with the ultimate sin being the blasphemy of like the holy ghost. As you can see, almost everybody was kind of in concept. She didn't say I was the angel of the lord came down and told me I'd be thinking of a virgin, but she kept saying, I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin. I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin. I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin. I guess it took a while before everybody could see, because when he said that when uh, Yeshua was born, there was a light in the cave, even before he came out. There was just a light that just shone and shone and just kept shining, and it got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until he finally manifested and appeared, and the light went away. Okay, and obviously there was a star too that night in the sky, and the three wise men were able to come. So I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come up and just uh, wrap up and conclude with why, again, it's uh, important the virgin birth in believing and um why it could be literally the sin that does not get you in the door if somebody doesn't believe it all the way. And I'm not saying that you don't, but they're just talking about people who don't. See so you after the break. Okay, guys, we're back from break. I just wanted to wrap up the discussion of the virgin birth by basically saying if... Yeshua would have been born by two natural parents, right? He would have inherited the sinful nature, uh, just as all humans have had before him and since his birth. Since he was born through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, who conceived him in Mary, Yeshua was both fully man and fully God, or half and half, okay, Which, or or, or um, a demigod. That's what most people would call that. Okay, a deity, but more than just a mere mortal human, as Imla, Islam would have you believe. So thus, he then became, I guess you could say, the the perfect atoning sacrifice who could pay for the sins of the human race, Okay, being the only technically living human that was sinless. He became the perfect sacrifice. There's a reason why we don't sacrifice anything anymore. It's the same way that when they used to have to sacrifice at the temple, and sacrifice at the tabernacle, whatever they used, whether it was two calves, two turtle dove, or two pigeons, or whatever. I don't care if it was two turtles. They had to be perfect. It had to be a certain age. They couldn't have a spot or a blemish. It had to be perfect. You know, this is make um, atonement for the sins. Because uh, we know that the, re- the, the, the only remission for sin is blood. The rem- Blood is, is, is the only remission that there is for sin. So the ultimate sacrifice that you had was from the sacrificial lamb. And also the Passover with the sacrificial blood of the lamb being over the door to pass over is also the same thing. It's a kind of a blood. You need some kind of blood to be covered to protect you over. Likewise, it's like um, when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit or Yeshua, the Spirit causes us to be born of the Spirit. When we're born in natural birth, we're technically born in the lineage of Adam which was a sinful nature. When we put on our faith in Yeshua, we are born again, born again into the lineage of Yeshua, which is why they call Adam the first Adam, but they call Jesus or Yeshua the second Adam. And to kind of bring that point home, like I wanted to jump into Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, 17 through 19, which says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life of one by Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Hallelujah. And that is what that's all about right there. That's why it's important to believe because if you understand the full circleness of it from the garden down up to here and then him coming back to conclude this thing, you understand this is the bridge back. This is what needed to be done for him to have been a mere man who did not die on the cross but had another image of a man put over him so that another man technically died, but he was saved, but he's going to come back as a, as a mere human who has the power to defeat all evil, and as a reward, he's only going to get 40 years on earth to live and then die and get buried in Medina by a prophet named Muhammad. You don't, come on. Where's the redemption? Where's the story? That, that just pokes holes in everything. You cannot accept that. You have to go for the, for, not even have to go for it, it's just the truth. And then you have Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of the sons. That's it. That's why. That's why. Because he made himself, because they say humans, I want to find that scripture. I'm going to take my time to find the scripture that says that we humans are just a little bit, made just a little bit lower than the angels. How, how just how magnificent we are. How just we're off by one degree to get that eternal life and that salvation. Okay. But in Hebrews two and seven, it also says here, that's why you need to understand about Yeshua, why he's so wonderful. It says, Thou madeest him a little lower than the angels. When you say a little lower than the angels, you're talking about a human. And I'm gonna find that scripture that tells you that we are just a little lower than angels in the sense that we don't have eternal life. But the the beauty of Yeshua being born humbly into this earth in a in a in a manger or wherever you want to say he was born and un, and by the Holy Spirit being pure and perfected in that nature they thou madest him a little lower than the angels thou crownedest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hand made him a little bit lower than the angels. Yes, so, um, I guess what I'm trying to figure out now, there was one other thing I wanted to read, I'm sorry, I had to try to remember where it was, there was, um, in the gospel, No, it's actually in the Life of Joseph, the History of Joseph the Carpenter. In chapter 4, or I think it's verse 4, actually, in book 1, I just wanted to read this to show that it says that um, Mary never had any children with Joseph at all whatsoever. That the one that they know as the brother is James, it clearly says, even Joseph said in the, in the Infancy Gospel, I don't know if you caught that I said that, Joseph said, I have sons and I, I already have children, like, what would I want with her? He was a widower. He already had kids. When Mary came in unto him, there was children in that house, which I think was only two sons left, especially James. That's why I say James, the, bro- the Lord's brother or something like that, is really technically like a stepson to her. She never had any children, and he never slept together, according to what it was said. So according to the history of Joseph the Carpenter, it's supposed to be written in the tone of the Messiah. Couldn't tell you how accurate the book is, but I'm just sharing what I found. Therefore they immediately sent out and assembled 12 old men from the tribe of Judah and they wrote down the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the lot fell on an old pious man. Remember now this is them re- recounting what I just told you about when Mary was 12 years old and about to be um in her puberty and having the blood of you know menstrual every month which would have made her unclean in the temple they had to put her somewhere safe until her time came to fulfill her destiny. This is what they're recapturing right now. And they wrote down all the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, and the lot fell on a pious old man, Righteous Joseph. The priest answered and said to, um, it says, My blessed mother, because it's supposed to be Yeshua speaking, Go with Joseph and be with him till the time of your uh, marriage. Righteous Joseph therefore received my mother and led her away to his own house. And Mary found James the less... In his father's house, broken-hearted, and sad upon the co- account of the loss of his mother, and she brought him up. Then Mary was called the mother of James. Therefore, Joseph left her at home and went away to the shop where he wrought at his trade of a carpenter. And after the Holy Virgin had spent um, years in his house, exactly 14 years old, which was the time when he received her. And then it's and then he's and then Yeshua says that he chose Mary of his own will and um, the concurrence of the Father and the counsel of the Holy Spirit and was made flesh by her. So this is what goes on. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If you want to read that, that's the history of the of Joseph the carpenter. It just tells you just how honorable of a man Joseph was. But really, more than anything, Mary is constantly referred to as Mary, uh, Mary the Virgin, as in she remained a virgin her entire life. Joseph, it said in, I think, one of these books that Joseph was the one who made the cross that actually um, the Messiah gave up the ghost on because he was still around as a carpenter. So it says that uh, he was actually the one that made a lot of the crosses for it because, you I remember the cross was um, a um, way of doing capital punishment at the time. It wasn't something that they just picked out for Yeshua. So it would have been like if, you know, there was an electric chair or if he had the... um, lethal injection obviously you need a new needle every time whatever whoever manufactures the needles or keeps the chair hot going I mean i it's not funny but it just so happened that they needed wood at that time he was a carpenter in the area he made the crosses it just so happened that he is the one that made the cross that uh, happened to kill his own uh, brethren at that, the end of the day you know at some point somewhere along the way he was a father to him Otherwise, why would they care to uh, at least have the history of his life, which was very honorable. It's good to know. Like I said, it's very interesting for me to find out about Mary as well, the early years of her life, and especially the um, this thing concerning the virgin birth. But uh, that's all I really wanted to say concerning that and just to... Um when you hear people denying the virgin birth, I mean, when they when you hear about the ultimate sin, period, it's not killing yourself, it's not being gay, that's not the abominable thing, it's not adultery, it's not uh, you know, because and I'm not saying to you should commit these things. I'm just saying the one that it seems according to Yeshua from His mouth, words in red, Matthew five thirty one through thirty two, it is a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. He said you could talk about me, you could say whatever you want to say against me, that's gonna be forgiven, but watch what you're saying about this Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Because um that's important Yeah And I think the next topic I'll be talking about is fasting And um, I think Yeah, that's it Alright guys, I'm getting up out of here <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. Nope. I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.